What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bold Women Podcast. But today, we do not have a room full of just women. We have a man here. There's a fella. There's a fella here. So my name is Maria Weiler, and I am one of the hosts of Bold Women Podcast, along here with my friend, Meryl Wilson. And Meryl, do you want to tell us who who we have to your left? We have our esteemed, not colleague, I guess, but... He's esteemed. Esteemed? No less. Esteemed. No, yeah. Yes. His name is Troy Bailey, and he is the lead pastor at the Chapel KC. Yeah, PT. Hello, hello, hello. You'll probably probably often hear us reference him as PT. That's kind of what we call him for short. Physical therapist? No. I sometimes just say Troy. Part timer. Or Troy. Part timer? Yeah. Puddle jumper? No, it's a PJ. Wow. Okay. Well, I was thinking (laughs) of like a. Yeah. What do they call those? Those are planes that they called puddle jumpers. Still not a PT. PT. Yep. Well, I got a letter wrong. So All right. PJ. PT. All's um, forgiven. All's forgiven. We today have a very exciting topic. And it's one that I think a lot of, well, I think especially Christians have questions on. And yeah. especially in this world where it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like there's so many different pieces of Christianity that look nothing like each other. So our topic today is not all Christians are the same. And when it seems like, oh, wow, that's something that should be like, it's kind of just this big overbroad topic. So we brought in our pastor to kind of help us navigate some of these questions. Well, how about I tell him where it came from? I think that's a great idea. (laughs) So the idea of this came from... Why don't, a, you t- why don't you tell them where it came from? I mean, I was waiting for my end, but... There it is. You were just going to keep going. Well, I was... Go ahead. It's okay. It's fine. It's a power struggle, guys. No, it's not. Else. I was really trying to well. start to lead towards where you could jump in. <laughs> Puddle jumper. <laughs> this is where we're at, people. Okay. So a while back, um, I had a friend who is a non-practicing Buddhist. Um, We were talking at someone's birthday party about, um, he was talking about, you know, like just casually kind of like looking for churches, was asking about the church that I go to. Um, And then he mentioned he was okay with um, his child going to a Christian church, even though that's different from what he grew up with, which I thought was interesting. And um, then he made the comment that, you know, like, well, all Christians are the same. And from what I understand, like uh, he said he would be cool with his kid going to any of them. And that ultimately his kid is going to decide one day um, what they will ultimately do themselves with their own faith. And so I thought like, I immediately was like, oh, we need to talk about this because it's so interesting to me. I was like, you know, that's really cool. And, and he is, he is right. Cause it's like, you can, you can raise your kid's, in a certain way. And then ultimately it's their decision of what they're going to do when end they, of the day they're yeah. going to pick at the end of the day, they're going to decide what they're going to do. Um, so we thought, you know, who's somebody that we can talk to and who's someone would have a lot to say about things like this. And well, here he is. Here he is. Live and in person. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Um, so what makes he, me think of the Taylor Swift, like, hi, it's me. Um, the problem, problem is me. That was the wrong key, but it's okay. That's right. I'm a little tone deaf, so it sounded mm. great to me. Right. But yeah, so we brought in PT and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about, because I think there's this piece where I think you can look across the board and it's like, oh my gosh, why are, why do so many Christians like hate each other? Like there's this piece of, there's a lot of Christians that like will talk bad about other Christians and they'll tear them apart. And then there's other sides where it's like, and you see the opposite where it's like, okay, we believe the core tent, like core quote unquote tenants of faith or core beliefs are the same. Mm -hmm. And so there's just so many different pieces to this whole big picture. Yeah, I agree. And so I was uh, digging around on this and um, from the scholarly book of Wikipedia, I decided to get some good old wiki, <laughs> some, wiki, wiki, woo, <laughs> some info on Christianity, which is the most prevalent uh, religion here in the United States. For a while. Uh, yeah, it's got more than 200 denominations in the United States wow. and a total of 45,000 denominations globally, 
according to the Center for the Study of, of Global Christianity. Um, but I'll quote directly from Wikipedia with regard to the breakdown of the denominations here in the U.S. Um, estimates from 2021 suggest that of the entire U.S. population, which is now around 332 million, about 63% of that is Christian or around 210 million people. Um, the majority of Christian Americans are Protestants. So that rounds out about like 42% or 140 million. Um, there's a significant number of American Roman Catholics, which is about 70 million or 21%. Other denominations like Latter-day Saints, Orthodox, Orthodox Christians, Jehovah's Witnesses make up about 13 million or 4%. Um, so some of the don- the denominations or sects of Christianity you may have heard about are uh, Pentecostal, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Baptists, Apostolics, is that apostolic right? or apostolic. apostolic? Sorry. So if you're apostolic Methodist. and you're listening, whoops. Yeah, sorry, my sorry, bad, guys. Again. One of the few rare occasions that I will okay, slip Oxford. up and mispronounce something. <laughs> Methodists. We just gotta um, keep you honest. Yeah. So clearly we won't be getting to all of them since there is so many, but um, I thought we thought today we should just talk about, you know, a few of them, like some of the more common ones. So we can talk about who do we want to talk about first? I think we should probably just target Catholicism, like since that's just the biggest one. So yeah, let's go. Um, so this is also from Wikipedia. It just, <laughs> this was a, this was a source today. Yeah, um, it was. So the largest Christian church with 1.3 billion baptized Catholics as of 2019 and the largest continuously functioning international institution has played a prominent role in the history and development of Western civilization. It teaches that it is that there is one holy Catholic and apostolic church founded by Jesus and that maintains that its practices are the original Christian faith taught by the apostles. The Virgin Mary is honored in dogmas and devotions and it celebrates and it celebrates seven sacraments, which are baptism, Eucharist, or communion, confirmation, which is a rite by admission into the church, established previously by infant baptism, and is said to be confirmed and usually preceded by instruction in the catechism or manual of religious instruction. Basically, that contains the answers to how, like, to your faith, like telling you the why behind what you believe. Um, it also, there's reconciliation or confession where you have to regularly confess your sins to a priest in order to get into heaven, marriage, anointing of the sick, and holy orders or the ordination rite of the dedication and commissioning of ministers. There's a ceremony involving laying out of hands and ordaining ministers upon the head of one being ordained by prayers for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and of grace for carrying out the ministry. Um, this usually includes a public examination of the candidate and her sermon and a sermon or charge concerning responsibilities into ministry. So this is another kind of big thing with within Catholicism. They have Eucharist prayers or prayers to saints and ask the saints to pray to God on behalf of them. And they believe that our relationship with fellow Christians does not end with death and that these prayers are sort of a recognition of this continuing communion. So they hold the belief that faith in order to save must be accomplished or infused with some work or love active within a Christian the Catholic Church is led by the Pope or a successor of the Apostle Peter and is seen to have full and supreme power of jurisdiction over the universal church in matters of faith and morals, as well as in the church discipline and government. So the Pope is seen as sort of like absolute monarch who meets with the head of state and maintains diplomatic relationships in more than 100 countries, and he would appoint new bishops and things like that. So there's definitely Catholicism, I would say, has more of like this structure and order overall. Like, yeah, they almost have like comparing. It's almost like their own little like uh, it seems like a little bit of of government. And I know my um, just from you know, personal experience, like both of my parents' families were brought up very, very strict Catholics. And um yeah, I even one of my my aunts is Sister Nancy. So just shout out to her; she's the best. What up, Sister? What Nancy? up, Sister Nancy? You and are the and best. You're basically a nun. So <laughs> now <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, like ties ties to the Catholic Church. Ties to the Catholic Church. So, yeah. um, and I've seen like I've been on missions with the Catholic Church, and just they do so much, so much good. But it's just like it's such a different 
sect and things that have practiced just so drastically different than yeah. Protestant non-denominational. Yeah. And like in, in Rome, uh, where, uh, where their headquarters is, oh my gosh, the Vatican, geez Louise, why did that escape me? But anyway, um, I didn't know this previously, but they like, if there is something that happens on their grounds, like say a crime takes place, like they have authority to investigate it themselves. Like the Italian government really doesn't necessarily have to get involved, which is really interesting and kind of weird in my opinion. There's a true crime documentary out there. That's about something that happened (laughs) many moons ago, but it was, it was really interesting. So anyway, but yeah, they have like, they just, just like like so much structure and so much. um, I think there's a thing too, where you'll notice in the, well, especially, not especially, especially (laughs) the United States. Words are hard. Words are hard today. Uh, I did just wake up from a nap a little bit ago. Oh, you took one. Well, it was only like five minutes. So I feel like it's that too short, but not long enough. Yeah. Anyways. um, But this idea that, um, oh, I lost my thought. It was a good one too. Oh, there we go. Good one. It was a great thought. Um, Thanks for sharing it. You're welcome. <laughs> We're going to have to go with something different because it's gone. Like, yeah. clearly it wasn't important. But what? you got a nap. Five minutes. She got a five minute. But you got a nap. Snooze, if you will. Oh, I kind of remember what I was going to say. Nope. Nope. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's gone. Well, well. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Troy, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Can you initially? Cause, oh, cause I think like the big thing too is like, I know we, no, this isn't it. This is just an addition before you start talking. Um, (laughs) The perspective that we are coming in from is, and I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but like the, how Meryl and I are, we call it like non-denominational. So we're not tied to, to a denomination, which the Catholicism would be considered quote unquote, a denomination like Meryl read. So non-denominational is this idea that like we aren't tied to that's also further down in the list yeah we'll get to that okay all right there well and that was kind of along my train of thought because i was like oh i think some of the reason catholicism is so huge is because like within denominations for those who are listening who aren't aware of like this denomination thing like um they can be all over the world and then they're like even within the vatican or depending upon what denomination you break down you know, like there's funding that comes from the head and it, that it kind of goes down. So it is, it's, there's certain things that appear to be benefits of being tied to a denomination. So the, the aspect of where we're coming from is non-denominational. So we like our perspective and like, kind of like the tenants, that, like tenants, as we were reading those or like these core values of faith aren't necessarily tied to a denomination per se. I have, I personally have always been curious about like why, why is there so many different denominations? So like, why are there so many? Like, why is there so many fractions mm-hmm. of of this religion? So it's always been interesting to me. I think if I'm remembering correctly, we there was a time in like Sunday school or something, probably in like when I was in high school, where we covered just like various like religions. Just because you contrast. grew up Baptist, I, yeah, good old First Baptist Baptiste. Church, Baptist, and yes. I grew up. I wouldn't call it Pentecost. I wouldn't call it Pentecostal, but charismatic. maybe charismatic might you be the better. Were, yeah, you guys were charismatic. I would say we were probably like yeah, uh, definitely charismatic. Modesty cloths. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you Speaking can't really tones. be you can't yeah. be charismatic if you don't have modesty cloths. We had those. I don't even know what that is. That's when somebody gets their like hands laid on them and they fall out mostly for females because y'all be in dresses and stuff. They'll put a cloth over you while you're lying on the ground, so you don't show so while you're thrashing so you, about. So you yeah, keep okay. modest. <laughs> hints modesty clock or if you okay see so, guys i'm so glad we're having this conversation oh you're gonna learn yeah so i grew up charismatic meryl grew up baptist pt grew up ghetto ghetto i grew up uh, baptist but i had a lot of ex- um my i had a lot of exposure to a bunch of different types different. of christianity as well because my parents were a part of a traveling worship team in the 90s and I got to, which I think was, I think maybe that's also what spurred some of my curiosity is just like, mm-hmm. cause I just, we went to different churches. We went to like a uh, first federated church. There was a non-denominational church. Yeah. First federated church. There was a first federated, there was first assembly of God. There was uh man. Why don't we have that on the list? I don't know. 
Oh, well, first is, federated. Yeah. Interesting too. When you said like first federated, it made me think. Byron, are we looking this up? Of how <laughs> we're going to add that to the list. Add it to the list. That's what I like to see. <laughs> well, like you were saying, there's so many different sects and they break off of each other. And so it's like, you can even be in one denomination and there's like first, second, third. And it's like mm-hmm. each one believes a little bit different. And yeah, I think yeah. that you have to, you have to understand the difference between essential and non-essential beliefs and this. The, break it down. The, the, well, essential being, well, first of all, the big idea that I want to point out going into this kind of talking about it is the fact that in every single one of these denominations, there are good God-fearing people yes. who love the Lord 100%. and are considered born again. Yeah, 100%. Um, but the big idea that I, I want to make sure we, we, we stay on topic with is that to be a Christian just simply means that you've placed your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Yeah. That you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Like there is no other way to God except through Jesus. Yeah. And then after that, it's the accompanying life of sanctification and submission to the Lordship of Jesus, which plays out in allowing the Holy Spirit through the word of God, determine the things that we think, say, and do. What is that? What can you break down sanctification or sanctification just simply meaning set apart. Okay. Like we, we live a life that is set apart, that is separate from, um, the way the world does things. And, uh, we allow the Holy spirit to work and operate in our life mm-hmm. and everything that he gets to shape everything we think, say, and do. And that comes through understanding the word of God, which is ultimately the will of God. And so, um, understanding that, like when it comes to Catholics or Lutherans or Methodists and all these that we're going to talk about, um, just because they're in a different denomination doesn't mean that they're not born again or saved. Right. Or mm-hmm. uh, the hope of eternity, the, the, the entry to eternity, which is just simply through Jesus. And um, so with that being said, like with Catholics, for instance, there are a lot of Bible believing, some tongue talking, love Ooh. Jesus, Catholics. Mm-hmm. And what they love is the, uh, the, the formality of it all. Yeah. The, cause there are people who love that. Like, it feels it feels religious. It feels holy. Yeah, yeah it it feels because it's it's apart. separate. It, it's different than anything else in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll get into a lot of different things with with Catholicism because I got a lot here that differentiates it from most other other Protestant uh, religions. And so, yeah, what is okay? And, and, and referencing Protestant religions, can you break that piece down? So for those like for those who are listening, who are like, what does that even mean? It just, it just simply means like a reformation. Like we, we get back, like Protestants broke off from the Catholic church. And so, yes. uh, it just simply means getting back to like Martin Luther, uh, getting back to the essentials of mm-hmm. just like loving God. We're not caught up into these formalities of, you know, the Catholic church and the way the corruption, if we're honest, the things that have happened back in the old days. And so Protestants and broke off today still. and then mm-hmm. from Protestant religion, you have like, you have all the sex that we have today. So. Um, yeah. Cool. cool. So there's a lot. So my going into this, the thought would be, so what's so different from say Catholics to, uh, like a, like Maria grew up charismatic or did we find out what first federalist federated federated? federated. Sorry. It makes me think of a bank. Two denominations, Presbyterian church and the United church of Christ working and worshiping together since 1911. You okay. can read that. I can. There were. I have um, 2010 vision with contacts. Sorry. But yeah. Anyways. So within, within Catholicism, there's a lot of different things that are practiced that a lot of people would argue are not biblical. Okay. Um, like for instance, prayer, like the rosary, um, praying to saints, for instance, uh, Matthew six seven, Jesus said, "When you pray, do not heap empty phrases on the Gentile as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words." And with the Rosary, it's just a repeat, you know, repetition mm-hmm. of like the Lord's Prayer and 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 all that. And so Philippians four six through seven, one of my favorites says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God." And so um, they pray to saints. Uh, we don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, first Timothy two, five says for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. And that's the man, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, most mainline 
Christians don't believe that Mary is the mediator between right. the people of God and God himself. Yeah. We believe, as Paul talked about when he wrote to Timothy, is this is simply just Jesus and Jesus alone. Thank God for Mary. Mm-hmm. But but Mary is not the central figure of Christianity. Right. Mm-hmm. My uh my mother grew up um she's a good old Irish Catholic gal and uh my dad converted to Catholicism for my mom in order to like get in my grandfather's good graces so that he could marry her. And I I know I remember you know talking about this with my mom like why aren't we Catholic, you know, cuz mm-hmm. you know part of our family still is Catholic and all that. And she said that just one of the things that like she and my dad talked about um, when they were considering leaving the church was just like, they didn't understand why they could like, there's kind of, there's kind of some division here in this because there are some, there's a lot of Catholics that say, yeah, you can absolutely pray to God. Like you can, you can pray to God. That's, that's, we're not saying that you can't, but my parents were, my mom said that she was just kind of under the impression that it was like, it's fine if you think you want to pray, but if you really want to be heard, you'll pray to saints. And like, so that was like your option. And that just didn't make sense to her. Cause she was like, why, why is there a need for a mediator? Mm-hmm. Like, well, that, that's kind of the, the biggest difference when it comes to prayer, not just like the rosary and the repetition aspect, mm-hmm. but like Hebrews tells us specifically that as saints, as children of God, we can uh, boldly, go yeah. into the throne room of God. Like we can approach God and, and sainthood. Sainthood's a huge one. That's really um, big. That's really big in, in I'm like, I remember my mom had to get, like when she went through her catechism, like that you had to pick a name of a saint that you would adopt into your name. 100% Peter. So no, I'm just kidding. I would, be, would ca- be, be cast out because that's you. the line of the Pope, but. Oh, I was like, but, the, the but that is, was just something that was part of catechism is I think my mom picked Dorothy. no, Dora, the explorer. No, I should no. not re-ask her. I swore she was Dorothy. Well, with but I don't. <laughs> anyways, I know she had mentioned that she had had to pick the name of a saint to show, like as she was finishing her her um, like confirmation catechism, as part of that, like within the church. With sainthood, though, is it, it's an after you die kind of thing with the Catholic Church. Um, you're not considered a saint unless there's a verifiable miracle. After you die. After you die. Oh, okay. And so that's how you become a saint in the Catholic Church. But, of course, in everything, we want to go, we want Scripture to, we want Scripture to set the foundation of what we believe. Mm-hmm. Right. And we want it to be the thing that we build with. Right. And so First um, Corinthians 1, 2 says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, both their Lord and ours. So what he's saying is, I'm writing to the church that's in Corinth, to all y'all who are sanctified, set apart, living lives that are set apart unto Jesus, who are called to be saints together with everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. And so the idea is that you're not a saint because you performed a miracle at some point in your life. You're a saint because you believe in Jesus. Yeah. And so that is huge. And so uh, the saints were no different than us. They were fallen beings who needed a savior. (gasps) I know. I know. Even, I mean, like when I said I was raised ghetto, like I was, I was literally (laughs) raised on the streets uh, for the most part, independence mo. And so he's a little hood um, and a lot holy. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it (laughs) flips, but, um, The the idea is that like Peter cut a dude's ear off. He denied Jesus multiple times. Yes, he was restored, but it was Mm. only because of the grace of God. Just like the rest of us, we don't enter into a relationship with God based upon our works or our merits. We enter in based upon the grace. It's it's by grace through faith, and so um, we're all saints, just like they were. But we don't worship saints. Mm -hmm. That's that's the biggest issue with the church today. Is that we we elevate saints, mm-hmm. pastors usually. I was like, yeah, I, celebrity yeah, pastors, pastors, celebrity who are pastors, super charismatic, yeah. great communicators, um, and we put them up on pedestals and we worship their every move, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what we're not supposed to do. 
Yeah. And that's the biggest issue. And I say biggest issue. I don't have any qualms. This isn't a Catholic bashing podcast or episode. Um, Just talking about the differences. Right. I I love Catholics, but at the same time, like, just because you have a belief or, or, or you operate in a way that isn't quote unquote biblical, but it's still God honoring doesn't mean you're disqualified right. being, from being a Christian. Just because you want to have the formality of it all um, and the historical aspect and the weight on it, like doesn't mean that you are discredited in your faith or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I just want to make that clear. There's a lot of other ones like, um, communion. I mean, the transubstantiation aspect of it, where they truly do believe that the bread and the wine or grape juice, whatever it is that you use, um, legitimately turns into the body and the blood of Jesus. The moment you take it in. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting, but I thought thought it was interesting. There was, gosh, I can't remember if it was a wedding or a funeral. I think it might've been my grandfather's funeral. Um, he had a Catholic mass and I was getting ready to go up to do communion because they were doing communion there. Mm-hmm. And my mom like touches my shoulder and she's like, no, you, Cause you have to Catholic. be Catholic. You have to be we're baptized. Not Catholics, so. Catholic and I was like, Bob been baptized. And she's like, no, sit yeah. down. <laughs> like not in the Catholic. I think that would be another which big I thing. Thought, is- which I thought was strange when I was younger. Cause I was like, what, what? Yep. I don't get it. I mean, it's the same thing. Like to me, I wasn't viewing it like it was any different because it's like communion's communion. To me, mm-hmm. at least that's what I was thinking about. I mean, the way even I Jesus about says it. in Matthew 26, 26 through 29, he, he even labels it bread and wine. Mm-hmm. And he says, I won't drink of this wine or this vine until the, until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So it's like, even he's saying like, we're not going to go to the fountain of my blood and just, and we're going to drink. Oh, that makes me want to gag. He's saying like legitimately. (laughs) Sorry, I just literally. (laughs) He's saying this is legitimately a symbol. Paul tells us this in first Corinthians 11 as well, um, that the word to do this in remembrance of him as a symbolic remembrance. Yeah. A holy focus on him. And so there's that, there's the purgatory yeah. Oh I yeah. Mean, the purgatory. Let's yeah, get into that. The purgatory. And so there's nothing in scripture the. that talks about the YouTubes. Uh, no, it <laughs> I doesn't don't even know why I said that, <laughs> but purgatory doesn't, there's nothing in Meryl's scripture. Like, that have talks I been there? No, just kidding. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I think so. That's what your upside down season was. Yeah, it was pretty purgatory. First um, John 2, two says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Uh, first John propitiation. 4, Hold up. Swallow up. Yeah, we've got Oxford. We've got Oxford over here. Substitute guys for our sins. You're welcome because I know some of you are probably going to be like propitiation. I feel like your listeners are very educated. They they probably are, are, but I mean, you know, it depends on where you are in your walk with Christ, and so and it depends on which version. I think we have to define what purgatory is so that people understand. Yes, but purgatory for a for a Catholic is um, the place that people go to be purified or completely washed um, in order to go to quote unquote heaven. It's a holding place. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, well, I was going to say Walmart, but that wouldn't be a place where you go to get clean, but um, (laughs) absolutely not. I was thinking of more like a, like a car wash. Um, Okay. I have an example. Okay. It's like, it's going to be a good one. It's a great one. Oh gosh. Wow, I feel like you guys. Hold on to doubt. your hats. I feel like you guys doubt my example. I think we Sometimes. all. Everyone has to have that friend where you just wonder what's going to come out of their mouth. <laughs> exactly. And- it's like Wizard of Oz when they get to the Emerald City, and before they go see the wizard, they're like, "You can't go see the wizard like this." So then they send them through, and it's like they hop on the horse of many colors, and they're riding around, and they take them to. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You're giving me blank. If stares. I can be honest, I don't know yes, that I've keep actually going. watched. You see what the I'm wizard saying though? Yeah, through. but draw it out. Wow. Okay. Um, so they go and it's like basically like this cleanup spot and they get new, they get new fur. The lion's fur is clean That's and right. they rush him up and then Dorothy gets her curls and then the tin man gets shined up and he gets um, oiled. He gets oiled. The scarecrow gets more one, stuffing. Uh, and then good. they can go, then they can go, then they are presentable to, and she gets, you know, like every like she gets are her shoes shined. No, they stay pretty sparkly the whole time. They're sequins. They're sequins, but they're, um, yeah, then they then they can go see the wizard after they're presentable, but they weren't presentable enough after their journey. Great. That was a great Thank analogy. you. Yes. Very good. 
So for or John five twenty four, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but pass from death to life. And you cross-reference that with first John one seven says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we also have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So uh, we know specifically from what Jesus says and what John's talking about in his epistle, which is there's no such thing as purgatory. Um, when you die and you're born again, you're not going to a necessarily a holding place to be cleansed. You're cleansed the moment that you believe in Jesus. Yeah. You're made right. You're, you're justified. Right justified, never sinned. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. So I just remember, I know this is really random, but it's within, we were talking about the rosaries. My, this is, and grandma Weiler, um, sorry about this, but, uh, Whoa. I know there was coming down my grandparents steps. They had, uh, in their kitchen, there was like this whole holding thing. It had all their rosaries on it, but she had one that always glowed in the dark. And I just thought it was so cool. So I would like take it off and like, I would stick it in the light. And then I would always play with the glow in the dark one because, um, cause you were a kid. Cause I was a kid and it gl- glowed in the dark. So it was pretty cool. Um, so I think there's this big piece, like what you like in, in going back to this purgatory aspect of so you're in holding to like basically figure out where you're going to go. So um, even within Catholicism, isn't there a thing like there's penance too? Like you can. I don't, I don't know I feel about like I, that, that per se is like a common. Super common practice. Practice nowadays. But I know back in the day um, that was huge. Yeah. Uh, again, I didn't grow up Catholic, so I'm, I'm just merely speaking on research. But um, when it comes to that, the idea of that, when it was first introduced was, let's be honest, it was a money grab. Yeah. It was a money grab. So. The, um, well, and the whole idea too, and just like the core, like I would say across the board, you had mentioned like, um, essential and non-essential, but essential is like that you believe in Jesus and that he's the one that like, yeah. he's the one that saves you. So whether you're a Baptist, whether or you're, you're Baptist, Catholic, you're Catholic, you're, if you believe Jesus is the only way to the father, that he is the only way to be born again or yeah. to be saved, uh, be made new. Um, we can have a party. I don't care about your non-essential beliefs, but like all the little things that bro- make us different. You're my brother yeah. and yeah. you're my sister, uh, in Christ. Well, and the piece of that, like kind of where I want to go with that is this element of, we were just talking about purgatory. So like once you're clean, you can then get into heaven, but there's the side of like the big piece of the Christian faith is that like Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. So it's like, if I believe in Jesus, I'm good. I'm saved. Like I get to spend the rest of eternity with him. The opposite side of that is if I don't believe in Jesus, doesn't, I mean, doesn't matter what like sect of religion you would be, or I say religion make meaning because we're talking about like different sects of Christianity right now. But like, if I don't believe in Jesus, then like eternity is spent in hell. Like, because you did not, you did not that you wanted like, cause Christianity believes that Jesus is the only way, the only truth. And I firmly believe that I know Meryl does as well. Like that is like, Jesus is the answer. Like Jesus is God. He the is only. the only God. Um, Hell's a real place. Hell's a real place. So this idea of, I think sometimes there's this piece of, or kind of this question of like, well, if God's so good, why does he send people to hell? But it's this kind of place of like, well, hell is where God's not present and you didn't want him. You had centuries here, and centuries and centuries. Well, scripture points out that the, basically the, God is, you can see God in everything. Yeah. Yeah, Like Romans talks about this. And so, um, yeah, he's talking about a loving God who would send people to hell. We're talking about a loving God who in, in Jesus, we believe in a triune God, obviously. And we'll get into that. And a lot of these other sects is what differentiates a lot of us is, um, we believe in the Trinity. Uh, we believe in one God and three distinct people. Um, it's not three gods. Try not to spend too much time there. Your folks. brain will fold inside out. Yeah, so, it's just, uh, I, I, I just kind of think it. of it like an egg. So, I just accept it. No, none of those really work. Well, they don't really work. None of those, but none of it's those because work. it's so fathom, like unfathomable. That's what I meant. Yeah. And so, uh, the, <laughs> he's un- one God, drastically different, word. one God, three distinct individuals. And so, um, Jesus being the son Uh, decided to lay his deity aside to take on humanity born of a virgin so not to be tainted by man's blood and so he then lives a sinless life for you for 33 and a half years 
takes the death you and I deserve for the sins that we, the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us and died on the cross so that we be called the righteousness of God, Mm -hmm. meaning have right standing with him. So he took your spot, gave him or gave you his position. And all he asks in return is your life. Just to believe in him. Just lay your life down, accept what he's done humbly for you, allow him to mold you, to shape you and go in commission with him to tell the gospel preach the gospel yeah. with your words and with your life, allow the Holy spirit to flow in and out of you. And, and the byproduct of this is you get to spend eternity with him. It sounds like a good deal, a loving God who's giving you more than enough yeah. uh, opportunity to respond to his goodness. And if you Absolutely. still in that moment outright reject that, yeah, you're going to hell. Yeah. It's Woo. a real, it's a real place. Wow. That's so I good. I don't mean it's to be so good. We're only on, and we're only on we're Catholicism. Only on Catholicism. Yeah, I got, I got, I got one more on, on Catholicism here. Okay, let's and hear this it. This might be the most controversial one. Oh snap! I think uh, it's what you're going to say, but if it's not, I want to add. Okay. Uh, well. Priestly celibacy. I was gonna. I got to add because I got another one. Uh, so First Corinthians seven one through two says now concerning the matters in which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to, uh, to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. I want to read a couple more. First Corinthians 7, 6 through 9 says, Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So he's saying that basically it's it's a concession. You, you can get married, and if you are going to— if you're going to stumble into sexual immorality, you should have a wife or you should have a husband. Um, and he says that this is a gift from God, meaning the ability to be celibate. Matthew 19, 11 through 12 says, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given for their eunuchs who have been such from birth. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. The idea is this, is that, Living a life celibate, meaning not having sex, or in the life of a eunuch, which was somebody who I was just going to say, can you clarify? Devoted themselves to a king. Usually, Mm -hmm. they usually would castrate themselves. Um, I say that not being a man, (laughs) and so uh, Lorena, they Lorena bobbed that, but they would, (laughs) yep, they would Lorena bobbed themselves, and they would, but all because that they would take away the uh, distraction of of what they wanted to do, which was be devoted to their king. And in this case, the kingdom of heaven. And so what he's saying is that there's only, this is such a rare occasion that people can be, it should or, or have the ability to do this. Mm-hmm. And yet the Catholic church for generation upon generation mm-hmm. has required men not called to this lifestyle, not called anointed to be this force them to live this way, not have a wife, not have an outlet for, for this. And that's where a lot of, um, not great things, not great things happen. It makes sense. It mm-hmm. makes things that wouldn't normally be attractive, become attractive. Yeah. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm picking um, up what you're throwing down. And so if you're smelling what I'm stepping in. And so I, <laughs> are you, I think nope, that I was going to go with that. I think one. it's a huge, I nope. think it's a huge thing that needs to be talked about that like, like, I know I'm on a podcast with two single females, but sex is not bad. I was just going to say, I wrote out, I, you didn't see it when you were talking, but I just showed the team. I was like, I hate celibacy. <laughs> yeah, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of it. Yes, here we a, are. You're, but you're, but yeah, you're living an are. honorable life before yes, God. which it's is not, more important than anything. Not easy, but, um, and there should be that outlet. And if you have the ability to get married. Will do. You should be married. Because Paul said, if, yeah, if you burn you with lust- Get married, and I was the first one to raise my hand when I was a teenager, and got married shortly thereafter. Woo! Okay, the last um, last piece I think that's that I have within like the within the Catholic Church as far as differences go is even their like their sacred scripture varies a little bit to you. Extra books, extra overachievers. Let's be honest. Yeah, so that would just be another thing too, where they have um, additional books attached to the Bible. So the Bible is the core book of Christianity. But um, within Catholicism, as far as that goes too, they have additional books. There's like a Catholic Bible that's different than a stand, like a yeah, standard. I don't, I don't Bible. know how many. I think it's like seven or so. Yeah, books I don't remember how many like books. That. But that's just another another difference. What that those are written in addition there's to. There's a lot of there's a lot of scripture that I say scripture, but there's a lot of books out there. The Bible is made up of sixty six books. 
which makes the one book the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of writings out there that didn't make it into the Christian canon, mm-hmm. in other words, the Bible. And uh, But at the end of the day, you got to trust that they were those people were led by the Holy Spirit. And then people who want to discredit Christianity, don't want to follow God, are always going to find an excuse, right? And oh, so yeah. uh, what about all the translations and the times that this was done and that was done? And that's a whole different topic for another mm-hmm. day. But, um, you know, excuses are like buttholes. Everyone's got one and they stink. But uh, at the end of the day, if you don't <laughs> want to, you invited me on this podcast. Um, if you don't want to serve... Okay. If you don't want to serve God, you're going to find an excuse not to. 100%. Well, it makes me think of this morning, uh, Carl, Meryl's dog, sat on her. Oh, come on. Do we have to really discuss that? Yeah, because he just said what he just He's said. He's not that. even here to defend himself. I know. Poor guy. Poor Carl. But well, he, do you want me to tell the story? Because it happened to me. Yeah, I go was ahead. the one victimized. You're kind of his owner. Yeah, he freaking sat on my foot and left a treat. Nice disgusting treat. surprise. <laughs> a treat streak on her shoe. <laughs> Was it, were they nice white shoes? Yeah, these. I Look at the laces. I got to get new ones. <laughs> it, Good job, Carl. Was Good job, Carl. Great, he was great start to the morning. Yeah. You guys, cool. we're. Thanks, man. Yeah. We're not even through the first one. So we're, this is, we're going to, uh, I would you, say, what do you think? Let's. We can lump in a couple. We of could, these. Let's lump in a couple more. And then we're yeah. actually, I think this is such a big topic. I think we should bring PT back on for another episode where we can talk about more of them. Cause there's so much to, do we want to throw in a lot of this one more? Yeah. Let's throw in the one two more. Diet, Cause I think diet Catholics. Yes. Di- yeah. What I affectionately refer to the Lutherans as, which is diet Catholics. Sorry if you take offense, but I'm just trying to be funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the Faith Lutheran Church uh, came out of Corning, New York. Uh, according to my research, they do not believe in the office of the papacy or having a pope um, as such has any divine authority or that Christians need to submit to the pope's authority to be true members of the visible church. Uh, when it comes to communion, they believe that Christ's body and blood are truly present in the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper but they don't accept the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation, which teaches uh, that the elements are permanently changed from the substances of bread and wine to the substances of body and blood, uh, which essentially encourages veneration of the elements apart from their sacramental use and detracts from the use of Christ's commands. That Christ commands. <clears throat> they don't believe it is proper or scriptural to offer prayers to saints or to view Mary as in any sense um as a mediator between God and human beings. They don't believe in purgatory as the Catholic church does, which is an intermediate place or state uh, someone's soul goes to after death, which is what we just discussed. Yeah. Um, so that is why I call them diet Catholics because they, they believe a lot of the same things, but there's like very specific yeah. things that they're like, Nope, we don't like, agree. We don't with agree that. with that. The other thing about Catholics, Lutherans, um, the aspect of calling, you know, your, your priest father, Jesus was very clear that we should call no man other than our father, God, our father. And so, um, and then there's the Pope aspect, obviously that, uh, Lutherans don't necessarily adhere to, but, um, yeah, there's just a lot of differences and a lot of them are in non-essential beliefs. Um, yeah. Cause you talked about that in the beginning of like essential versus yeah. non-essential. So could you kind of clarify the non-essential side? Like what does that? Yeah. I think the most essential like? thing is, is simply the, you know, number one, how do you view salvation? How does one get saved? Mm-hmm. How does one become a born again child of God? That's the most essential belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you believe it's anything other than just Jesus, like it's Jesus plus works or works then Jesus, or mm-hmm. it's somebody else or just being a good person, um, then you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care where it comes from. Um, so that's the most essential. And then the next one is like, what's, what, who, what's the mission of the church? Um, beyond that, we want to talk about communion, whether you think in your mind and in your heart that it becomes Jesus's actual body and blood. I think that's just non-essential really adds no value one way or the other. Um, I think there's a right way to view it and that's scripturally, but at the end of the day, it doesn't take anything away from your salvation. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Makes sense. What do you have um, in your notes as far as like the Lutheran side? Do you have anything else that well, mostly like, just, just falls kind of in comparison? Mostly it just falls in with the Catholic Church okay. um, and what we talked about and those differences, the biggest glaring differences. 
Okay. Um, and then I think we could kind of touch on the Methodism too. Okay. Really quick. Um, so this Methodists, um, this, ugh, I am tongue tied. Methodists. Oh, I guess it's Methodism, but we call them Methodists. It's a method. It's a method. Um, it the, is. They developed as a result of people breaking away from the Church of England. So they affirm that baptism of infants, youth, and adults with different forms of baptisms. Bap- Whoa. <laughs> Baptism. Oh my gosh. Baptism. Baptism. You're going to do it. Baptism methods such as immersion, <laughs> sprinkling, or pouring. And communion is welcome to all. They have bishops and assigned pastors to various congregations. And their governance is linked to other churches like the Catholic Church. So this is kind of where... They're, they're a little bit tied there too. And they do mm-hmm. have a hierarchy, which is very similar to the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe that it's a person's choice to be saved and that one can fall from grace. grace. Wow. <laughs> we are really doing we it are today. Struggling. Grace by not following God and can therefore lose their salvation. So their faith is based on the Bible, um, Bible reason, tradition, and personal experience. Plus I do want to add, a thought that, and I don't know, I feel like I remember learning this in Bible school and PT, you can correct me because we went to the same school, but that wasn't um, like Methodists actually kind of spurred off the church of England from this idea of like the move of the Holy Spirit. You can thank John Wesley. But wasn't that tied to Methodist? Yeah. Yeah. So it came out of an 18th century revival movement that John Wesley and his brother Charles were having. They were both Anglican clergymen. Um, and then over the centuries, it's just kind of turned into like the United Methodist Church. And there's others that have split off like Church of the Nazarene, the Salvation Army, different ones like mm-hmm. that. But it's it, it came from John Wesley and the revival uh, that, that God poured out. And so I remember thinking, oh, that makes that's really cool, because I think on um, the and this is just me growing up charismatic, which. I mean, we just believe in what do we call like the baptism of the Holy the Ghost, Holy Ghost, um, speaking in tongues, um, all that. So, um, well, you can breeze through. We the can Church breeze of the Nazarene through since it's part of the yeah, Methodist. breezing right through there. But this, uh, if you notice on the the logo of the Methodist Church. Please, I'm not talking the rest of the day. Words, but the logo on the Methodist (laughs) Church is a cross wrapped in fire, and I like. I remember when I learned that it was like tied with this Holy Spirit movement. I was like, "Whoa, that's probably where that logo came from." Yep, so kind of cool. Yeah, so the Church of the Nazarene is a Methodist denomination. It's amazing, just like so many factions within factions. It's just wild. Um, originating in in what we were just discussing as a holiness movement. Um, They believe the Holy Spirit empowers Christians to become completely obedient to him, that Christians are not helpless to sin every day. Um, Sin should be a rare exception to the life of the sanctified Christian. They believe in entire sanctification, which is the idea that a person can have a relationship of entire devotion to God in which they are no longer under the influence of original sin. Interesting. Uh, they also don't believe that people should be speaking in tongues. They don't allow dancing. Um, the church was <laughs> founded in, sorry for anybody that thought they were going to be twerking in heaven, but <laughs> if like, you're from the church of the Nazarene, that's not going to happen. Uh, we got to get footloose though. <laughs> the church was founded in order to help the poor originally. And they believed that alcohol, gambling, and other similar addictions were things that kept people poor, which is a good point. Uh, members of the church and they think that uh, members of the church should fully abstain from alcohol and cigarettes cigarettes yeah um church of the nazarene has its roots in yeah like a lot of things starts out starts out one way um the beliefs of the nazarenes are also shaped by the teachings of john wesley um the emphasis of this church is definitely on the holiness aspect of it which is not a bad thing but yeah. like anything like God else is there's holy. there's a ditch on both sides of the street mm-hmm. on everything and so mm-hmm. uh they also believe that one can walk away from their salvation which is a whole nother can of worms we can get into at some point but um which technically the salvation can. cannot be guaranteed mm-hmm. um one must keep a working maintaining a relationship with God which uh, I personally don't have a problem with. Um, I think that not everyone who calls on the name of Jesus is actually saved. I mean, Jesus says this, I believe in Matthew chapter seven, where he says in the end days, people are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't yeah. I do these things in your name? And he's going to say, get away from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So at the end of the day, we, 
we can only trust what we see. And you see this in the story of Saul becoming Paul. Saul was going around murdering Christians and then all of a sudden shows up one day and he's like, hey, I'm a, revi- I'm a revivalist for the church now. And they're like, who, what, huh? what? Like what you? on earth? Weren't you, weren't you just, you, uh, you were just, killing, you just homies. killing homies the like two weeks ago? Exactly. And then uh, over time. Well, they were afraid of him. Like they were like, we yeah. don't. Yeah. They were thinking that he was like. Um, you had to have a guy. Everyone needs a Barnabas yeah. in their life. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Somebody who can go to bat for you, you know, like. Yeah. Somebody who can say, hey, I know what he used to be or she used to be, but she's changed. And so at the end of the day, we, we can only go based upon the the outward sanctification that we see. But that's not to say that that works are a part of salvation. We don't work to earn God's love. The works that we do come from God's love that yeah. we experience and accept in our heart through Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting against them. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. I well, love John Wesley. If y'all ever get a chance to go read any of his teachings or anything like that, I have a whole big thick thing of his teachings. It's, it's phenomenal. thick boy. It's with three C's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not two, okay. but three. Sheesh. All right. All right, well, guys. Well, this is going to be, we're going to wrap up this episode. We're going to come back. We're coming back. We're coming back with more, I was going to say it more, discussion. more discussion about different groups of Christianity. What does that look like? How do we do that? Yeah. All the, all the fun things. So stay tuned. PT is going to stay with us. So we'll bring him right back on. Um, be sure to check us, check out our website at www.boldco.studio where you can learn more about us or stream episodes. If you don't have a preferred platform with us or no, with us that you use already, you can email us with thoughts, questions, or comments if there's a topic you'd like for us to discuss at info at boldco.studio. And be sure to like us, rate us on whatever streaming platform you found us on. And finally, give us a follow on Twitter at boldwomenco. And we are also on Instagram at boldwomen.podcast. PT, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. We we'll appreciate it so much. See y'all next week. Bye. Bye.